Welcome, everybody, to the March episode of the Charter Central podcast. I'm Janelle Brzezinski with the Center for Charters at, at CMU, and with um, me today is my colleague, Megan. Hi, Janelle. Happy to be with you today. Looking forward to our interview. Yeah, it's an exciting topic. Um, certainly something that's really important as um, we consider um, all the things that, that a school needs to think about. We know top priority is academics, but our um, guest here today is here to share a little bit of wisdom and insight of how our schools can look at communications and community engagement with different stakeholder groups and how that can benefit the school. So um, with us today is we have Matt Rush from Rush Strategies. He's a runs a PR and public affairs firm based out of Lansing, um, but that works throughout the state of Michigan. Um, been a supporter of charter schools and um, somebody that a lot of people will, will notice from past professional development events. So he's here with us today to share a little bit more insight about that and looking forward to our conversation. Welcome to Charter Central, a podcast for education leaders. We're here today with Matt Rush from Rush Strategies. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Hey, thanks, Janelle, for having me. Um, And Matt has worked with um, many of our partner schools over the years and has done a number of professional development opportunities for schools, all surrounding the idea of communications and really engaging with stakeholders, whether that be legislators or community partners. So Matt, um, for our schools, as they're heading into the end of the school year and looking forward to next school year, can you share a little bit about just the, in, gen- in general, the importance of um, schools really sharing their story and, and engaging with those stakeholders? Sure. Well, you know, charter schools are, are unique in, in a lot of ways, but one of the ways that they are especially unique, um, and, and it can be both a good and a, and a bad, is that they're, they're a creation of the legislature and state government. Um, and charter schools were, you know, created under law. Um, you know, we're going on 25 years now. And because of that, they are often part of a political conversation. And part of being on the, the winning side of political conversations is making sure that there are people who are out there in, in power and in uh, areas of influence who support you. And it's critically important for schools um, to make sure that the stakeholders who they work with, whether it's a local mayor or people within their community or their state lawmakers understand who they are as a school, the kinds of kids they serve, the success stories that they have and some of the the families that walk through the doors every day, Uh, really connecting those those stories of the school uh, to the people who are making decisions about education education in the state of Michigan and, and in particular about charter schools is really very important because, you know, for the, for the long time, you know, we've, t- we've talked, you know, it's been a quarter century that, that charter schools have been around in Michigan, but there's no guarantee really that they'll last another quarter century because um, again, they're a political, they're a, a creation of the political system and uh, the politicians change, uh, political powers change. And sometimes, you know, it, it could be that, that someone is in charge that, that doesn't like charter schools. And so it becomes very important that every school, whether it be a school leader, school parents, uh, school teachers within a charter school, 
share the stories that they have about themselves and about their buildings and about the kids that they serve with the people who are making decisions about them. And I know we're wrapping up March here, and I know a lot of legislators and community leaders have been through schools for March's reading month as a great way to get legislators and, and those partners in school buildings. What are some other ways that schools can um, utilize as outreach efforts to really engage with those stakeholders? Well, I would, I would really challenge school leaders to look at their entire school calendar. I mean, you've got basically nine months of, of activities that are happening in your buildings and look for ways to incorporate some of those events that you're doing. Uh, I think a lot of the times the focus is, uh, and rightfully so, the focus is on serving the parents and the kids who are in those buildings and making sure that those programs and activities are, are serving those, those folks. But I think it's important to keep an eye on the outside of the building too and think how can we incorporate people who are making decisions in our community in these activities that we're doing in our schools. Um, because getting them in the building and having them see face-to-face -face their constituents and the students will, will really help them understand and, and give them a stake in what's going on in the school. So, you know, back to school parties in the fall. Uh, Christmas events, concerts, um, uh, parties around the Christmas time, around Thanksgiving. You know, you mentioned March's Reading Month. Making sure that you always invite your local lawmaker, your local, your mayor, um, county officials, who, whomever are in that, that list of community stakeholders. Invite them into the buildings and ask them to read to kids um, during March. And then any, you know, schools will usually do like you know graduation, whether it's a kindergarten graduation or a fifth grade graduation or you know high school graduation. Uh, obviously, in in the springtime, all events that even if these folks don't come, uh, they've, they've had an invitation extended and they know that you're thinking about them and that you want them to be a part of what's going on in the building. So you mentioned, you know, community being a part of the building. And we know years ago that the school really used to be the anchor of the school community and the community at large. So how can schools continue to encourage community partners to be involved with the school so that they are really seen as an important part of the community, not just for the students, but the community as a whole. Yeah, I think that's a really important part, uh, a really important point. Um, we did some research not too long ago um, and, and looked at the public opinion on charter schools. And one of the things that we found about that was kind of a handicap for charter schools when it came to this was, was people's views of them as being part of the community because, you know, they don't necessarily have the same assets that a, a big traditional school district have, you know, like, you know, a pool where people can go and swim or huge gymnasiums that can host events or different infrastructure facilities that, that communities are used to using or, or are able to use for, for their use. And so a lot of times charter schools don't get the benefit of being able to offer those, those engagement op opportunities. But I would, I would challenge schools to look for those kinds of things. I would, I would challenge school, you know, to step outside of their own building, look for that ways, look for events, and activities that are happening in the community that you can go out and participate in. So rather than having people come in, show that you're a part of your community by going out and, and, and being active in other things that are happening around the community as a school organization, as a school body, and, and, and get a visible, a, a visible strategy around what you're doing out in the community so that people recognize you. And then when they happen to be driving down the street and they see the school sign, they're like, oh yeah, I, I remember that school. I saw, I saw kids or I saw families from that school participating in this or participating in that and really work to become part of, part, part of the community as a whole. Because again, you know, charter schools are a political topic. Obviously the people who work in, in the buildings and teach the kids are focused on education. Uh, but it's a political world that is, that is really kind of governing charter schools. And so you, 
you need to make sure that the people in your community have a real stake in you and your success and want to have you want to see you succeed and want to see you stay around. And there's certainly, um, you know, no shortage of work to be done in a school. Um, school principals are spread so thin and certainly the utmost priority is, is, like you said, the educating of the students and that's solely the focus. So with this being, you know, somewhat of an extra add-on of something a school needs to consider, what is a, a simple way of maybe some first steps, Matt, that a school can really look at it as not not such a large thing that, oh, we have to have a communications plan. Like what are some really simple strategies or first things that you could put into place knowing that our school principals and board members are really, you know, doing so many different tasks and multitasking um, throughout their day to make sure that their, their students are learning. Yeah, you're right. I mean, school, school leaders are stretched so thin as it is. And with just the day-to-day work of, of educating kids and I, it's, it's too much to ask and, you know, to have them also be thinking about themselves as a communications director or a community outreach, you know, uh, specialist. So I think probably the simplest thing I could say and suggest to school leaders is to keep it simple. And it doesn't take a lot to make an impact on these folks that you're trying to influence and want to start a relationship with. And a communications plan does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be 20 pages of, of details and and uh, very specific things that you're going to do. I mean, you could start with a simple goal of doing one of making sure that you invite and include these stakeholders in your in your events, like once, you know, twice a year. We'll do one in the in the falls fall winter, and then we'll do one in the spring, and and then you know build on those, and then go to once a quarter, every quarter. Let's see if we can figure out a way to engage in in, in these folks and communicate with what we're doing to to them, and then and build from there. But I would start. Start with a manageable number and a manageable goal because you know we all know if you set a goal that's that's too high or, or out of reach, um, and then you don't, it's either unattainable and you don't want to uh, put in the work to do it, or it just becomes daunting and you think there's no way I can do this, and so uh, it, it just doesn't happen. So keep it simple. Look for some some simple things to start with and and get those under your belt. See what works and see what doesn't, and then build on that um, so that. You know, in the first year, a couple things, maybe the second year, you add another one. And, you know, after three, four, five years, you've got a nice schedule and a nice rhythm of activities and outreach that you're doing throughout the course of a year. So when we think about the last 10 years and how schools have communicated with their families, it used to be that they were just sending home memos or flyers and book bags. Or when they wanted to market and advertise, they would do a billboard or a radio ad. But in more recent years, we've noticed an uptick with social media and schools using that to communicate with families, current families and potential families. So how important of a tool is social media for a school? Social media is, is huge. And you're absolutely right, Megan. This is I mean, it's grown a lot in, in re- the recent years. But a real benefit to the so- social media tools is that when you communicate using them, you're not just communicating to your families anymore. You have the ability to communicate um, activities and, and successes to all of those stakeholders who I mentioned uh, at the beginning of our conversation, and that that becomes really really important. You know, I I've got I've got two kids, and I I'm used to getting you know, my elementary school newsletter on Tuesdays, my high school newsletter on Thursday, and then the overall school you know message from the head of school on Fridays, and so I get those those communications. But you know, those communications just go to me, and they go to other parents. They don't go to anybody else, um, and so when we're talking about communicating to these outside stakeholders and these, these people who are going to be making decisions about education in the state of Michigan, social media and having a nice, a nice simple plan 
of sharing activities and sharing what you're doing um, is a great way to make sure that those people understand what's happening in your building too, and that they can they can kind of follow along. Even if they may not be able to get to everything at your school, they'll be able to see what's going on and they'll know that good things are happening. And social media gives every school a really simple and accessible tool to make that happen. And we've talked about here just, you know, in these few minutes, a really diverse range of stakeholders. You know, I've heard us mention legislators, community partners, you know, current parents from what you've just mentioned with some of the, you know, consistent and routine communications, but also prospective parents as well. Um, And, you know, can you just share how this kind of layers on top of um, building out those enrollment strategies and really trying to market the school to build enrollment and be able to have a sustainable school in that way? Yeah, it's it becomes very important, especially, you know, we've seen it since the since the COVID pandemic, a lot of a lot of parents are starting to look around. They're not, you know, for whatever reason, may not have been happy with the way that the school that they were in handled um, the time that schools were closed or online learning or moving through the masking and, and health and testing situations. So just a lot of kind of unease and, and, and folks who are looking for something else. And I think that that gives a, a wonderful opportunity for charter schools across the state to um, really put their best foot forward and say, hey, come come check us out um, and look at the way that we, we did these things. It becomes a real um, a real way to, to market. And I think just like anything else, you know, we, we use social media to shop. Uh, we, we do it, we use it for all kinds of things in our daily lives to you know, find restaurant reviews, to figure out where we want to, if we're going on vacation and we pick it, we, we're going to a certain town, we, we can find out great places to go. Schools are no different. People are out there and they're looking, they're looking for the best place to put their kids uh, for the years that they're going to be in school. And so whether it's on social media or other community activities, using those tools to kind of to put their, put the school's best foot out there and, and to show what you're proud of. Um, is the a best the best way for potential parents to find you, um, to learn about you, and then to ultimately decide to come visit um, and, and maybe enroll. Yeah, and when we're on the topic of social media too, you know, I'm reminded about um, our partners Maps uh, um, at our state association and the amount of work they've done over the years to really support schools and showing them some of the you know tips and tricks of how to really utilize social media to tell their stories. So I just highly encourage any of our listeners to go out to their website um, to utilize their resources and expertise and and to thank them for for putting all of that forward for schools to be able to utilize this as a free platform um, to achieve some of those results that you're talking about. Yeah, they, they really do some great work at, at NAPSA and then provide a lot of tools for schools. And I think that uh, tapping into those, using those, you're not, you don't, you're not alone. You don't, you don't have to create this stuff on your own. There are, there are people who have put this together, who put a lot of time and thought into making it simple for schools um, and to give you um, the resources that, they, that you need to, to do some of these things and get started and, and definitely take, a, take advantage of those. So you shared with us strategies that our schools can use around communication. And we all know that every communicator had to first learn how to communicate. And so I want to know from you, has there been a teacher or a professor at some point in your academic career that planted a seed in you to allow you to flourish to become the professional that you are today? Well, I'm, you know, it's funny you, you asked that. And I know you, you said before we got on, you had to think about a, a teacher that really had an impact on you. And I was I was going through it, you know, I, I've had, everyone's had you know, fun teachers, you know, teachers who are just a blast. My fourth grade teacher comes to mind um, who used to like sneak up behind kids with the old chalkboard eraser and like hit him, 
hit him in the back of the head. And then the rest of the day, you'd have this, you'd have chalk in your hair and walking around school. You know, to my first grade teacher who taught me how to read, um, loved her. But really the teacher who I think back to was my uh, freshman English teacher in college. And it, it seems, it still seems remarkable to me to think back that I got to be 18 years old before anyone taught me how to really structure a sentence and a paragraph and a, a term paper. I got all through high school and had written things, but didn't realize I really didn't know how to do it until I got to college. And not only were we working on the literature that we were reading for English class, but we were, he was also, I mean, he took me back to, it was, it was back to like eighth grade. We were diagramming sentences um, on the first day of class. And I'm like, what is this? I did this in eighth grade, but I didn't realize I didn't really, it, none of it stuck. And I didn't really sink in until I had to spend a year with him taking, um, my, my freshman English class in, in college to learn that, okay, this is how you write. This is how you put a sentence together. And this is how you put a paragraph and, a, and an argument together. And I have used that lesson, those lessons every day since, um, since I've gone into the, the field of communicating. Um, and so whether you're writing or talking or presenting or doing any of that thing, I would think, I will think back to Dr. Sundahl, uh, who was my, my freshman uh, English professor. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Matt, for sharing your wisdom and expertise today. Um, just a reminder, Matt is um, with Rush Strategies, which is a PR um, and public affairs firm based out of Lansing, but servicing um, clients throughout the state of Michigan. So we really appreciate it. Like we mentioned, we know this is one step extra um, on a school's plate to think about, but certainly something really important. I think you've outlined some really, really, you know, achievable first steps for schools to, to be looking at. So we really appreciate your time, Matt, and thanks for coming on. Great. Thanks. Anytime. Take care.